This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by John Cooper, who is the founder and CEO at Overalls, who are an insurtech business based in New York City. And it's a pleasure to welcome John to the show today. Welcome to the show, John. How are you doing? Great, Nick. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here with your listeners. John, it's a pleasure to have you in the Insurance Coffee House today. Really looking forward to hearing more about Overalls and some of the initiatives that you've got going on over there. Before we get to that, though, John, would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about your personal career background and the road that you've been on and the steps that you've had to founding and starting this business? Yeah, happy to. I'm an entrepreneur. I've, ever since I was a little kid, I was always tinkering and trying to sell stuff to my neighbors. I'm now on to my second InsurTech Overalls, awesome business. Can't wait to tell you about it. Uh, before Overalls was founder and CEO of a company called Life.io, I consider Life.io really one of the pioneers in the insure tech space. We were starting to sell into this space in 2015. And I remember the first conference I showed up to um, was a Limra conference, a life insurance industry event. And people looked at me like I had two heads. They thought we were nuts. Like the idea that we would do all this customer engagement and use technology to do it. I sold that business uh, last year in 2021, partnered up with a venture capital fund, great fund named Redesign Health to launch overalls. Before that was in and around the insurance industry in one capacity or another for the last 20 years. It's a very entrepreneurial journey and I'm, I'm sure it'd be, be great to find more out about the business. Was it quite a natural transition from, from life to business that you've got now? Or once you'd sold that business, did you sort of reevaluate things and, you know, come up with, come up with your next idea? Yeah, it, a little bit of both. So I, when, when Life.io, when we sold Life.io, I did not anticipate starting another business right away. But what I realized in myself, and, and that's why I call myself an entrepreneur, is like the big company culture just wasn't for me. I, you know, that's not where I operate best. It's in this startup phase, it's building teams, building products, finding the first hundred clients that gets me really excited. So when I learned that about myself, I started to think, okay, well, what's next? And then I met this great venture fund and they were sort of tinkering on this idea that became overalls and I came in as their founder and helped sort of take that idea and turn it into a business. Great. Thank you for that, John. John, we are in the insurance coffee house this morning. I know you're actually in down in Florida rather than in New York today, but what, what's your go-to coffee of choice for the morning? So I, I have a magic combination of three things, double espresso in my Nespresso machine, a cold shower and 10 minutes of direct sunlight. <laughs> if I get all three of those, it's the best day. If I, move, you know, if I miss the sunlight, it crushes me. That's why I like being in Florida is great. Being in New York, 
there's like four months of the year where it's hard to find sunlight. I was going to say, don't move to the UK because you'll only get two of your free things in the morning. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know, I think people, some people are programmed for sunlight, and I'm definitely one of those people. I need it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, it sounds like a fantastic start to the day, John. So, yeah, if we can now move on to to overalls and business that you that you launched last year, could you give us an overview of the business, uh, where it is at this current stage, or maybe what your plans are for the future? Yeah, we're we're an early stage business. We launched this business six months ago, and you know, it's funny. I was on a podcast a month ago, and they asked me a similar question, but they called instead of calling it overalls, they said, "Tell me about how you decided to found." Underwear. I said underwear, <laughs> but um, we came up with the name overalls because it's really head to toe coverage. And it used to be the original workplace protection back in the 1800s in the industrial age. People would go to the factory in a pair of overalls, and that's really what we're about: is reinventing workplace protection. I like to think about it as, and the term reinventing is so overused, but I like to think about it as what's the rainy day fund 2.0. You know, today the rainy day fund is you tuck away some money into a checking account. And you keep it there. You hope you don't dip into it. And if it happened to be enough for whatever happens, awesome. You're in luck. But um, a lot of times it's not enough. A lot of times people don't have the discipline to create that rainy day fund and to keep it safe there. And what we think is insurance is a great way to build a synthetic rainy day fund that has all these superpowers where you can, you know, for a few 20 bucks a month, you've got thousands of dollars of coverage. So we really reposition the business as the future of the rainy day fund. Um, and we sell through the workplace. So think about your traditional employee benefits here in the US. That's a huge thing. Medical, med- everything's all about health insurance because we don't have a great national health system. And you, so you've got your medical, vision, dental, and then all these other benefits that just get sort of lost in the shuffle. Yeah. So that's where we're really tackling is let's find, let's take this rainy day, 2.0 concept, bring it to the employer and help them create a lot more engagement with their benefits through it. That's what we're doing in a summary. I'll also tell you a little bit later about all these cool things we're doing to tap into people's behavioral psychology and how people think to try to make insurance a little less boring, for lack of a better word, for the average consumer. Absolutely. I think any, anyone who can do that, I think, is onto a winner because it's not just education, is it, about these insurance products, but it's actually making people enjoy it and find it interesting and really see that benefit. Yeah, John, if we can move on to that now, what are some of the products that you have there at the moment for your customers and, and how have you gone about developing them? Yeah. So, you know, the last business, what I came to really appreciate is that our psychology is not wired for insurance. If you think about it, insurance is created by the most rational beings, you know, the actuaries, the most rational beings on the planet. And then it's sold to irrational people. We're all irrational people. And you know, if you look at other areas, look at marketing in general, it's all about behavioral psychology. Mm. And so there's this whole field called behavioral economics where people are starting to tap into understanding how people think and using that to help compel them to do the right thing. So in our case, insurance, you know, in its simplest form is intangible, delayed gratification. You pay, you pay, you pay, you hope you never use it. And if you do, it's years in the future. That's a really tough value value prospect for a lot of people. So what we do is we try to reverse that behavioral psychology. Um, And we do it through two mechanisms. One we call hassle helpers. The other we call mighty moments. So hassle helpers, Think of it as a tangible, it's a concierge for your life. So let's say you get auto insurance through overalls. Part of that, you get your hassle helper. So anytime anything goes wrong with your house or with your car, you call us, we'll handle it for you. 
We'll find the mechanics, schedule the appointment, find that expert second opinion, help you order that part, help you find the rental car. So we take all the hassle out of that episode. Um, that's hassle helper. So it takes something intangible and makes it tangible. The second thing is what we call mighty moments. And mighty moments is really, they give us the opposite of insurance, where insurance, something goes wrong, you file a claim, you get paid. Mighty moments is something goes right in your life, you file a claim, you get paid. So suppose you're expecting a child. You can come in say, claim a mighty moment, I'm having a baby, awesome. You put in your claim and we send you a payment. And what that allows us to do is engage you in a happy moment in your life and start to change your psychology around insurance. But the beauty of it is at the same time, the hassle helper can come in and say, hey, we could help you plan for that baby. Do you need help finding nursery, daycare centers, creating a baby registry? And then the third leg of the stool, which is really ties it all back to insurance is what we call pocketbook protector, which is really about matching people to the right financial products um, that make the most sense. So, you know, I put a happy claim or I, excuse me, I submit a mighty moment because I'm having a baby. Hassle helper comes in, pocketbook protector says, hey, we can help you plan for that baby. You probably need a college savings plan. You probably need life insurance. Are you moving into a bigger home? So it allows us to engage people at those moments that matter most and help position the right insurance products for them at that time. So it's really about the, the moment in life or the event in life itself, rather than just trying to sell someone a policy who may or may not need it in the future. Exactly. Yep. You engage them at those moments that matter. You're there, not just in rainy days, but on sunny days too, to celebrate them. And then you create these things that give them a little energy, a little joy, so that they don't just think of insurance as, you know, the rainy day fund. It's also the sunny day fund. All right. Brilliant. So in terms of the, the benefits then for the, the end policy holders, could you talk me through some of some of the benefits? Presumably you're working with external carriers as well. You're partnering with carriers. What are the benefits to some of those carriers as well that you engage with? Yeah. Glad you asked. So for the carriers, we are a broker. So we are a new channel of distribution for them. You know, apples to apples, the thing a carrier is going to get by partnering with us compared to the traditional broker if one is higher engagement with the consumer, uh, two should be higher sales. Um, and three is we're really tackling a new channel. Yeah, There are benefits already sold through employers. They tend to be group insurance products. They tend to be you know, vision, dental, life, disability. We're bringing all of these individually underwritten products, auto, home, pet, renter, cyber, life, disability, and so on through the employer channel. So for the carriers, it's distribution and a new unlocking sort of a whole new market through the employer. Great. And in terms of the policyholders or, well, and I suppose the employers as well, your direct customers there, what are some of the benefits there for, for those stakeholders? Um, let me break it into the two. So I'll talk first about the employer and then I'll talk secondly about the consumer. Right. Um, so the employer, you know, especially in this job market, it is so competitive. And we're at this really interesting point in benefits where almost... A lot of employers have the basics. They have, you know, medical, vision, dental, so on and so forth. And now they're getting into this fringe territory of like, let me give you a subscription to Headspace and a subscription to Spotify. Those things have marginal impact on attracting and retaining people. In contrast, take overall. So overalls is positioned as a solution to help you save time. That's the hassle helpers. Save money. That's a pocketbook protector. 
and celebrate your people. That's mighty moments. So it allows an employer to introduce a benefit that really has some oomph behind it. Save time, save money, celebrate. Those things really matter to people. Um, And the beauty for the employer is it's super simple, highly affordable, and easy to implement. Now the consumer, the benefits are all those things we talked about. Save time, save money, celebrate your people. And oh, by the way, you've got this great sort of rainy day fund now that you've created with a basket of insurance products. Fantastic. Fantastic. John, I think it's a great concept. And I think those different stakeholders that you're helping, they're all in that different way. I think it's sort of bringing everybody together for the benefit of, of the good of well, of society, I suppose, as a, as a whole, but not least the workplace market, which is fantastic. Clearly, you know, you're looking to scale and, and, and grow the business. I know you're only sort of six months in. Have you thought about some of the challenges that might be lurking there on the way for you? What, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges or hurdles, you know, as you do seek to grow out the business and, and work with more and more companies? Good question. So it's, knock on wood, we're very fortunate in that we started this business with a team of experienced entrepreneurs, capital. So we're able to scale and grow much faster than I was at my last business. So we're six months in, but like we're two years in terms, you know, chronologically six months, two years in terms of maturity. And we're actually right now scaling up the business. We just raised another round of capital. We're going to be doubling in size over the next several months. Um, really the thing, you know, knock on wood, I've been able to attract a great team and we all are culturally aligned. The thing that keeps me up at night though, is this new entirely remote world. Mm. And, you know, in the past, my team was mostly remote. So I dealt with that. I've managed that. And what I learned though, is when everything's going right, it would work amazing. But when things got hard at the last business, all of a sudden you'd start to see, you know, the edges fraying. And I noticed them fraying more on my distributed team than my team that was local. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you say everyone needs to be in an office five days a week, you're at a competitive disadvantage for the rest of the future. So we can't do that. So trying to figure out how do we crack the code to allowing people the freedom to be, you know, to, to be independent, um, bring their best selves to work while also maintaining that culture and that connective tissue on the team that I, I think a lot about. I think that's such a great point. I think most companies out there now are seeing really riding the wave of remote working and it's it's certainly been a real positive for, for a lot of people. You're right. It's it's in those moments where things become difficult and become tough, where people are actually sat on their own in a room rather than being around their, their teammates and just be able to maybe to vent or to just share ideas and discuss concerns it sort of could have a build-up and we could certainly see that for sure so navigating that that balance between the two i'm sure it's going to be a challenge for for an awful lot of businesses and there'll, there'll be different ways of working that will keep evolving and best practices that, that, that keep evolving i'm sure as we go forward over the next few years john it brings us nicely on to the espresso round now where the questions are short sharp and straight to the point so i know you like a double espresso followed by a shower and then some nice rays in the morning you need the cold cold shower yeah cold shower followed by some hot sun (laughs) are you ready for espresso round now let's do it let's do it indeed the espresso round john how many people are you looking to grow scale the business by over the next 12 months today we're about 10 we'll be about 20 in the next quarter the next quarter. Fantastic. What are the culture, the values that you're looking to build within the business as, as you do scale? I love that question. So a few things. One is everyone is a thinker doer. There's, you know, a small team, you can't just have thinkers and you can't just have doers. You have to have both. 
Two is, you know, I know it's overused, but growth mindset. Mm. When you're in a startup, everyone is learning mm. and you have to have that growth mindset of it's not, you know, your job tomorrow is going to be different than it is today. The third is really that, you know, it's also overused, but team. That's so important. I find, you know, some cultures thrive in a internally competitive environment. Investment banking, consulting, it's okay if people are competing with each other. Small entrepreneurial team does not work. We are all working towards a greater good. And if you don't have that cultural alignment, it creates a disaster. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we certainly see it in the insurance market where people may be moving from a corporate business or from a traditional insurance company where they may be a thinker or they may be a doer, but they're certainly not used to you know combining both of those things together and can be a real shock actually when they jo- join a smaller business like yours. Do you think that's something that that is a real key thing as you're trying to grow? Obviously, people are wearing different hats. They might not just be responsible for one area of the business, but they might have multiple hats as well. Do you think that is really key as you look to grow to have people who can adjust and and do both things? I've heard someone describe it this way, and I really liked it. But at this stage of a business, you want T-shaped leaders, meaning they're broad on the surface And then there's a few areas where they can go really deep. Mm. So, you know, you might have someone who's responsible for really deep in finance, responsible for financial planning and analysis, but that same person is also wearing the accounting hat, the data and analytics hat, and, you know, two or three other related hats, and they need to be able to go surface level on those other areas. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know we've already touched upon it already about the remote working, but yeah, how, how do you think you'll be able to maintain those values of people sort of really rolling their sleeves up and, and getting involved with the business with some of the external factors that we've got, like the change of working environment, like the pandemic. Hopefully we don't have any more of those anytime soon. But yeah, how do you think you can maintain that whilst also being remote at the same time? I think that's key. I think, you know, companies that are bringing everyone back, it, to me, that's a little bit like, you know, bringing back the horse after you invent the car as opposed to making the car better. The way we're trying to make the car better and make sort of remote work better is a few things. We've got, you know, for my leadership team, quarterly, we're all together for a week. And that allows us to build the connective tissue, do some of that planning that has to happen. The wider team, maybe twice a year, we'll do the same type of thing, but get everyone together physically. Two is extreme transparency. So, you know, we'll do our quarterly board report, all that stuff that goes to the board. Within a week or two, we're going through it with the whole team. So everyone has a sense of what their priorities are, has a sense of what's happening with the business overall. And then three, we've, we've sort of adopted this, uh, we call it show and tell, but every other Friday, four o'clock, some people crack open a beer, others don't, but you just go through and sort of say, here's what I've been working on for the last two weeks and just show your work. Mm-hmm. So in my case, a lot of times it's spreadsheets or decks. Other times it's, you know, the software engineers who are pulling up they're, you know, black screen and sort of walking through the code and how things work, but it creates this level of sort of connectivity and you get this window into what everyone else is doing and how it all fits together. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic, John. I mean, we, we've obviously discussed some of the challenges and some maybe the, some of the negative parts of remote working. What would you say are some of the opportunities there as you look to scale the business? A few things. Talent, you know, access to an extraordinary network of talent. And, you know, my last business, LifeIO, we went remote in 2016. So, you know, we were early on this and it allowed us to gain access to great people all over the country. That's one. Two is work-life balance, in my opinion, has been redefined. It used to be, you know, being able to leave at six or whatever, at five, start your morning at nine. 
Now it's more about flexibility. So you might have a 12 hour day a few times a week, but it's taking that 12 hour day where some of, you know, you're still sitting down having dinner with your family. And then maybe it's logging back on at nine o'clock after your kids go to bed or getting up early, but being able to take your kids to school and go see the play. Um, that level of flexibility never existed in the workplace before. Mm-hmm. And people really cherish it. I, I personally cherish it and, and I see others do too. And I think you, you're willing to give more of yourself when a company gives you that flexibility and sort of recognizes that you're a human and have other responsibilities and needs beyond just clocking in and clocking out. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely a, a different mindset. I think we used to have that work-life balance, which some people always saw as maybe a bit of a cop-out maybe for some or some, some people who didn't want to be in the office too much. Then you had the guys who would obviously, you know, as bad badge of honor of how early or how early they got in, how late they stayed. And I actually think this seems to be the smartest way of working. You know, you, you can work as, as many hours as you want, but you can fit it in around your life as well. So you can really have the best of both worlds at the moment, which I think is fantastic. And clearly you can attract and retain talent from all across you know, the US and, you know, potentially internationally as well as as you look to grow the business as well. So it certainly opens up a lot of opportunity there. John, in terms of like an insurance career, insurance professionals, what value could a high performing insurance career bring bring to your business there overall? Yeah. So for us, um, there's a few sides of the business where it fits in really well. We've got all of our market facing positions, um, whether it's biz dev, marketing, uh, as well as sort of the consumer facing stuff. So our internal brokers and call out centers. So we need great talent who both can be the client facing people there who, you know, in some cases are licensed insurance professionals in other cases aren't licensed, but have a lot of insurance depth and expertise. And then beyond that, beyond the people who are facing the clients, it's the people who are finding, you know, we've got a great, great team right now helping us source insurance products, but we're amplifying that. We're going to be sourcing more, implementing more clients. So, you know, people joining our operations team who are working with the carriers and who are working with employers. Those are really the key areas. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And I think it's a great opportunity for anyone who, you know, who may potentially be at a traditional insurance company at the moment and is thinking about moving across into an insure tech, into a into a startup scale up business. Certainly a great opportunity. Uh, John, final question, the espresso round. If there are any co-founders or CEOs out there looking to grow their insure tech business over the next 12 months, what are the foundations? What are some of the infrastructure that needs to be in place in order to allow that scale and that growth? You know, the market has really evolved where in the last two or three years, a whole infrastructure has been created technologically to allow new insure techs to be launched quicker, be, you know, offer more desirable products, automate underwriting and so on. So I'll give an example. If I wanted to launch overalls three years ago, what we've done in six months would have taken three years because for every carrier we would have sourced, one, there'd have been a longer lag because they're not used to dealing with insure tax. They've taken that from six months to you know a few months. Mm-hmm. Two, their products wouldn't be adapted. There would be no API that we can plug into to pull their products. Now they are. So you know, three weeks of development, we've got the product on the shelf. That whole infrastructure has allowed us to build super quickly. And you know, so it's it's really the the beautiful time to be an insurtech entrepreneur. Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. John, thank you for that. We've almost reached the end of our time together in the insurance coffee house. Before we go though, do you have a piece of closing advice for perhaps uh, someone looking to start an insurtech business or someone who might be thinking about joining an insurtech business? And also how would someone go about reaching out to you after the show? 
Yeah. So you and I touched on this once when we connected before, but I think one of the key misunderstandings or misperceptions when it comes to people who are in traditional insurance who are thinking about going to InsureTech is risk. People think, oh no, that's risky. And it is risky. However, I think people underestimate how risky it is being with a large company. In the sense you think it's a large company, they're financially solvent. But what you get in a large company that you don't get in a startup is this complete randomness and things out of your control. So, you know, a startup, your business might go under because you couldn't raise capital or you couldn't find clients, you couldn't generate revenue. In contrast, your large company job could disappear because your boss's boss is replaced or someone in the board decides at the board level decides that they're going to shut down the life insurance business or whatever it is. And these things you have no control over. So one of the huge benefits, I think, of going from insurance to insure tech is you have really have more agency over your future, over your work, and over sort of the safety of your job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, is, is a key misperception that uh, as more people are realizing, you're seeing the insure tech world blossom. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's such a great point, John. Yeah, I think the perception is is that insurtechs are more risky and p- perhaps they probably are from a, from a solvency perspective perspective but there's an awful lot of risk out there associated with larger organizations and and like you say you've got more chance of being able to affect that decision or to be able to affect whether it's successful at a smaller company rather than you know you could be hitting record numbers every single month and knocking things out of the park but if that decision's made at a high level then you know there's nothing that can be done about that so john thank you that's great advice and i think you know i'm i'm certain there'll be lots of listeners today who are considering that move right now and maybe just need that little bit of encouragement so hopefully they would have found that there. Listen, John, thank you so much for joining us in the Insurance Coffee House today. It's been a real pleasure to have you join us on the show. Actually, do you have your contact details? Can you share your contact details for our listeners so they can reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Nick, it's been a blast. If anyone who's listening wants to get in touch with Overalls, I'm John, J-O-N-O-H, J-O-N at overalls.ai, O-V-E-R-A-L-L-S.ai. Awesome, Nick. Thanks so much. It's been a blast. Awesome. Yeah, cheers, John. It's It's been brilliant. Time has certainly flown. We'll be sure to post those contact details on our show notes so our listeners can straight through and reach straight out to you. So, so thank you for that. John, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great to find out more about overalls and also about your previous business and, and your career as well. It's been a real interesting and, and learning experience today. Um, to all the insurance and insure tech leaders out there, wherever you're listening around the world, we thank you for tuning in. And I'm sure you would have get, get gained a lot of uh, valuable insights and learnings from what John's had to say today. To all the insurance and insure tech leaders out there, wherever you are listening around the world today, we thank you for tuning in. And I'm sure you would have gained a lot of valuable insights and learning from our guest today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or I'd like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.